Welcome to Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, a podcast dedicated to changing the way women eat to lose weight so they can feel their hottest. I'm your host, Lauren Hubert, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. Each week, I'll share all of my favorite healthy eating tips and swaps, help you through frustrations on your journey, and show you the science behind losing weight. Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry is here to make weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another episode of Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, the podcast dedicated to making weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. I'm Lauren Huber, your host, and most importantly, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. And today we're getting into one of those more sciencey episodes that I've actually, you know, it's funny. I actually planned to record this episode probably around a month ago. And knowing that this was on my radar, that I was going to sit down and go through the topic of blood sugar and weight loss and fat gain and everything that you're probably seeing on social media, I have been really excited because I have a love-hate relationship with how blood sugar is being talked about on social media. I am so incredibly happy that women and diet programs and just the entire weight loss space is caring about blood sugar because it is tremendously important. And doesn't just impact our weight and our aesthetics and how we look and how we feel like in terms of our confidence when we look in the mirror or put on clothing, but this is also a topic that impacts our health. And I keep saying this and I feel like hopefully everyone is starting to pick this up as well, but our weight, yes, is about feeling good and we can want to lose weight irregardless of what our health status is, but our weight and our confidence and our health, I always keep saying this, are just so intertwined which is why I'm really excited for today's episode. I want to talk about balancing your blood sugar to lose body fat, and most importantly, reclaim your health and be the hottest and healthiest version of yourself. By the end of today's episode, you're going to learn what is blood sugar, how your blood sugar actually impacts the process of fat gain and also impacts weight loss. I want to talk about some quick blood sugar truths and lies that you may have seen on social media, just popular questions that I get as a dietitian. And most importantly, how to manage your blood sugar to improve your health, decrease cravings, and most importantly, lose the damn weight. So let's dive in. So kicking off this conversation, I thought just like in pure Lauren fashion, I do this on all the podcast episodes. I want to talk about the topic before I give you all the tips and tricks to manage it, right? So we got to talk about blood sugar and bear with me, little quick science lesson, but Blood sugar is basically a way of describing glucose. And if you've heard of that word glucose before, bear with me, ladies. Glucose is a simple sugar, and it's your body's main energy source. Um, Simple sugars are what we get from carbohydrates. Um, There are three macros in our diet, three macronutrients. You've probably heard of them, carbs, proteins, and fats. And basically, we get energy from all of these foods in the form of calories, right? But really what's important to know is our body wants to break down food and break it down into a simple sugar, right? We want to break down things into simple sugars and our body's preferred fuel source is carbohydrates. So basically when we eat foods, our body attempts to break down these foods into simple molecules, hence what our metabolism is. And as a result, we hopefully get simple sugars from these, which we use as fuel for our body. For instance, we often, dietitians like myself, will spew around the fact that our brain's preferred fuel source is carbohydrates, right? That's where we're going to most optimally 
feel our best, right? Um, hence also why with a ketogenic diet, I know people talk about that quote unquote keto flu, like that's you not getting enough carbohydrates and your body literally feeling like crap. Um, now I'm not here to debate low carb versus high carb, but like I said, that's part of the conversation that we're going to talk about today. And you know, there's so many different reasons why you might go lower carb or higher carb and we'll get into it. But I just must add in that when we break down carbs, what is important to understand about carbohydrates is carbs will meet a hormone called insulin. And basically insulin, think of it like a key to your house. Like you have a house, you have a key, a fob or whatever it is, and you put it in the door, you click the button if it's a fob and the door opens up. That is what insulin is to our bodies to help get glucose, which is that simple sugar into our cells. Insulin is the key that allows us to break down that food, those simple sugars. This is why for context, you hear the words insulin and high blood sugar with diabetes, with weight gain, with fat gain, and with health, because when you do not produce enough insulin or you just don't produce it at all, you're going to have issues using those carbohydrates that you've eaten to basically use it as fuel. Because these carbs are not just carbs, they're, they're calories. They pack calories and fuel and energy that our body uses to function and live and be our best. This is also why if you have a high buildup of blood sugar, because you either don't produce enough insulin or you produce it, but you just don't have enough of it to be able to do its functioning, or you have something called insulin resistance that we're going to get into, which is how your blood sugar impacts fat gain and weight loss. So the simplest way I can really explain it, and I think this is one of the most important parts of this episode, and what I'm going to be discussing with you is how your blood sugar impacts fat gain and really the difficulty when you have chaotic blood sugar patterns and you can't control your blood sugar. That's a common phrase that you probably hear, how it impacts your weight. So when we don't exercise consistently and we pair that with the standard American diet known as the SAD diet, we literally call it standard American diet, SAD diet, that is typically highly processed, refined sugars, inflammatory fat sources usually lacks protein, fiber, and fat, really important for our health. We put ourselves at risk for something called insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is when our body cells, think of our muscle, think of our fat, think of our liver, think of, think of the organs in our body. We don't respond well to insulin and we don't respond well to insulin. It could be for a few different reasons, right? With type one diabetes, you have a defect in your production of insulin, and that's hereditary. That's something that we're typically born with. Whereas type 2 diabetes is a different but similar mechanism where you weren't born with any defects in terms of your production of insulin. However, because of lifestyle factors and you know, many other things, but typically we consider type 2 diabetes more lifestyle related, because of your dietary and exercise and lifestyle patterns, which could be many things even outside of what I'm sharing here. So what basically happens is your body produces insulin, but because you are producing such high amounts of it, because you keep eating a very high carbohydrate, maybe refined sugar, lacking that protein, fiber, and fat, plus you're not exercising and all these different factors I had mentioned, you have to keep up producing so much insulin but your blood sugar still remains so high because as you keep trying to produce this insulin, your body can't keep up with the load that you're putting it under. So what happens over time is you become less sensitive to insulin and you become resistant 
to insulin and that production becomes impaired. But anyway, why I bring all this up is when this process and mechanism begins to happen, as you move towards you were more sensitive to insulin and now you have more resistance to it, regardless of the mechanism in which it happened, we begin to accumulate glucose in our blood. And that glucose has nowhere to go, basically, is a great way to describe it. We have trouble using it as fuel because despite having a lot of blood sugar and calories available, we are missing that key or we have issues using that key. Maybe that key is misprogrammed. Think of like your apartment fob or whatever it is, or maybe with your house key, maybe you're using a different key. That key can't be used to get that carbohydrate into your cell to be used as fuel. And what's really important to note is when this happens, we not only have trouble using glucose because we can't get it into the cell, but what's also really interesting is we still remain very responsive to fat storage. And I just want to bring this back for context. Fat storage is not just related to insulin. Fat storage is also very highly related with calories because even if you have insulin resistance, but you ate less calories, you would lose weight. So fat gain in storage and fat loss is not just related to insulin. These are complex mechanisms that I'm trying to explain to you guys. But what's important to know is, yes, this hormonal pathway is part of it, but you also have to think of the food type, the quality, and how much of it consistently you're having as energy balance still applies to all of this. And I just want to point out, this is why if you lose even 10% of your body weight, you can drastically improve your insulin sensitivity and you'll become more insulin sensitive just by losing this weight and therefore potentially break this cycle. And that's what's really wild. I mean, there's so many different stats and data that I could definitely share with you guys, but like it is, I can't even describe to you as a dietitian how cool it was when I learned, wow, by just losing weight, you decrease your risk for certain issues related to diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and single-handedly improves your insulin sensitivity. That is crazy to me. Anyway, hold that thought for a second. We are talking about how insulin and high blood sugar impact fat gain. But I also want to mention beyond fat gain promotion, when you are insulin resistant, it isn't just this mechanism. And I swear I'm not going to say that word mechanism anymore. I feel like I'm going back to college. But it isn't just this mechanism. There are also other factors at play. I want to give you some examples. When you have a high blood sugar consistently, I'm not talking about like one time you have like cake and it has 70 grams of sugar in it and like it impacts your blood sugar. No, I'm talking about like when you're progressively and consistently having foods that cause your blood sugar to spike up and you have issues with managing that blood sugar, that is going to be associated with cravings. And when you have what I would say a mismanaged blood sugar, because it's a blood sugar roller coaster, and I should probably mention it, ladies, actually taking a step back for a second. When you are eating food, your blood sugar is going to rise. That's not a bad thing. You have to have your blood sugar rise, right? When you have low blood sugar, that's what impacts this whole process of, you know, I'm hungry. You have your hormones, ghrelin, ger, hunger hormone. That's what drives you to eat. That, that hunger is not a bad thing. Getting full is not a bad thing either when your blood sugar does surge, but it's this spectrum of it, right? When you have very low blood sugar and you eat and then your blood sugar skyrockets, but then you eat it through foods that are highly processed, don't pack protein, fiber, and fat that keep you full for longer, it's going to quickly go down. And then this up and down pattern is what we call the blood sugar roller coaster. So when you have this blood sugar roller coaster, this is associated with cravings, difficulty managing our weight. And typically when you have this blood sugar roller coaster, what also is happening 
is you are typically eating foods, and I'm, I'm generalizing, but you are typically eating a diet that lacks that protein, fiber, and fat, which also deprive you of key nutrients that are important for weight management and hunger management and our body composition. So all of these factors at play, but regardless, high blood sugar is associated with cravings and can potentially cause you to eat more food because when you're mismanaging your blood sugar, it's going to cause your cravings to get out of control. And it also is going to impact your hunger and fullness. And when you have this really high and low, you might get really full and like, think of that sugar rush after having too much candy. But then like shortly after you're like, damn, I'm like already hungry again. Like that is that blood sugar roller coaster in action. I also want to mention when you are insulin resistant and you have trouble managing your blood sugar, what also happens that I can assume is many a time you might have difficulty being active or maybe you're just not active. And I'm totally generalizing. There are people who try to manage their blood sugar who are trying to be more active. And, and these are complex problems to manage. So I do just want to say that, but I am generalizing in the sense that Typically, when we see women and men that struggle with insulin resistance, not only is there this lifestyle and diet component, but oftentimes there is an exercise component that isn't there. And this can further exacerbate these symptoms because something else I learned really cool in college that I want to share with you guys is exercise. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Exercise can literally, irregardless of diet, help it, you become insulin sensitive just from doing one session. How crazy is that, right? So when you are consistently exercising, it's gonna help you manage your insulin resistance and also better manage your blood sugar. The third thing I wanna mention is insulin resistance also puts you at risk for other chronic diseases, especially your risk for developing heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. And these are all related to blood sugar management. And I bring all of this up because all of these factors coming in together, we can see how this impacts our health this impacts our ability to manage our appetite and how it isn't just one thing, right? It's a system. Our body is a system. But this is why when you are not managing and focusing on your blood sugar, not only can it make it very easy sometimes for us to gain fat and be stuck in this cycle, but also at the same time, it makes it very difficult to lose weight. See what I mean? Because when you are on this blood sugar roller coaster ride, your food choices are not aligned with satiety and getting full and managing that blood sugar and staying full for hours instead of seconds and minutes. Well, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean by that. It sets you up in an environment that, yeah, you could have this calorie number you're trying to hit, but it's like, okay, how are you going to hit it and lose this weight if we can't manage our blood sugar, manage our cravings and manage our health? And that's why with the TSN method, this has never been just about calories. And I say this all the time, but I feel like it's just such an important reminder because I'm here to teach and educate you guys and empower you. But really it's important to understand our metabolisms as women, as, as someone who wants to have a healthy body composition. This is not just about the weight on the scale and calories. This is about your body composition and also managing your health, which means managing your blood sugar. On that note though, as I mentioned before, and I'm sure you guys have noticed too, there have been so many, I feel like diet programs and Instagram posts and just so many cool things about blood sugar that do make me very happy because I want people to manage their blood sugar. I want people to understand how their metabolism and their health impacts all of these different processes. And I really do think it's a huge component of how you are going to manage your weight and hit these goals that you have for, for weight loss and your confidence. But at the same time, when I think about blood sugar, I think there's a lot of scare tactics being used with blood sugar on the internet. And when I say scare tactics, I mean being like scared to have our blood sugar rise. Like 
not educating women on what blood sugar is and how it isn't something to be fearful of. And I feel like it kind of feeds into this carbs are bad narrative at times, especially depending on who is talking about this. And so I just want this to be a safe space for you guys to learn about blood sugar, learn about your health, and obviously see amazing results because managing your blood sugar is so important for managing a physique that you love and being healthy for the rest of your life. So anyway, on that note, I wanted to go through some blood sugar truth and lies. And there were really two ones that I was like, wait, we have to talk about this on today's episode. The first one is about blood sugar monitors. And I actually more recently have had quite a few like handful of clients before signing on to 90 day fit Bay body. Um, and even the membership that were like, do I need to manage and like track my blood sugar inside of your program? And I thought this was really interesting because for me and also even my husband in the healthcare fields, when we first heard this, we were like, oh my goodness. We looked at each other and we're like, oh my goodness, no, like you don't need to like prick yourself. And you know, it's funny actually backtracking. I had a friend in high school who I played soccer with and she was the first young person I really knew that had diabetes and she had type one. And I always remember like she would have to prick her finger and it'd be like, be like this whole issue when we played soccer. Um, cause I still remember till this day, like she needed to manage her blood sugar because when you don't manage your blood sugar and you're a type one diabetic, like you can, you know, have severe health complications. Like, you know, it's so crazy back in the day. And even now, like there are stories of women dying from, you know, diabetes and not being able to manage their blood sugar unrelated to like the lifestyle factors. I'm talking about type one diabetes. Like people used to die when they had it. Um, so anyway, I bring that up because my experience as a child was, you know, seeing my friend prick her finger and remembering, wow, like she had to get the blood and then like test her blood sugars. And she would always have, have like Gatorade with her to make sure like she wasn't going too low. And then she'd have moments where she went too high and like didn't feel good. And it was this whole thing. So when I first saw this Instagram trend of like, you should manage your blood sugar and like, you should track your blood sugar and we're like a glucose monitor, like a continuous glucose monitor CGM. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. But also like the sciencey part of me was like, it's really cool to manage your blood sugar and like learn where your blood sugar is at. Because also just because you are a certain weight, like that doesn't mean you manage your blood sugar well. Like we still want to, you know, make sure we're healthy and balanced and all of that. But at the same time, I also think about all the clients that I've worked with over the years where we've never had to single-handedly like track them on a continuous glucose monitor to know that they've improved their blood sugar. And I mean, even when you think about, you know, a test to kind of determine blood sugar and diabetes risk and actually diagnosis is the hemoglobin A1C, which is a three month average of your blood sugar. If you guys have ever gotten it done at the doctor. And I bring all this up because I just want you to know that if you want to wear a continuous glucose monitor, you certainly can, you certainly can. And it can be cool for a period of time, but I don't know, just a part of me is like, I don't want women to feel like they have to micromanage their blood sugar because also even more compared to weight. And I know you ladies already struggle enough with the weight fluctuations if you weigh in every day, but then like adding this to your plate, I feel like it could make you just like a little obsessive because just because your blood sugar spikes up doesn't mean, oh my goodness, like your health is ruined. Like, like there are times like, yeah, after you have a piece of freaking cake on your birthday, it's going to go up. Right. And I understand this desire to improve your health, but also understand that your lifestyle over time is going to really determine and impact how you use food as fuel, which is your metabolism and this whole blood sugar conversation. So I much rather you go to the doctor, get that A1C, come back, you know, a few months later after making changes like my clients do and see that change. There's no shame if you want to do it, but I just want women to know like you don't have to measure your blood sugar constantly while working on improving it. 
And I have clients that say they don't have high blood sugar readings, but their habits are putting them at risk for developing it down the line. Like they never needed their blood sugar to know that they were feeling like crap. Like when you're on a blood sugar roller coaster, you know that you feel like crap. So maybe I'm a little bit more old school, but I just don't think everyone needs to buy this glucose monitor to be able to micromanage their blood sugar every day. It's really cool if you're into data. I one day maybe want to try something like that, but I just want women to know that like you, you really don't need it to be able to lose weight and you don't need it to be able to manage your blood sugar. The next thing I also wanted to address is insulin being the cause of fat gain. And also if you've never heard this, I almost want you to skip this section because I don't want to taint your mind because I don't want you to get on the side of social media, but there is just such a big push on social media about how horrible insulin is. And that's why you shouldn't have carbs. And it's a whole conversation, right? And there is this whole area of social media that is trying to persuade men and women how bad insulin is and why you basically should never eat carbs again. And when I hear this, I'm like, wait, hold your horses. Because just because insulin is part of the fat gain process, as I described, it doesn't mean this hormone is inherently bad. And I think there's just like a lot of misinformation about carbs as well. Like I am not here to say that I just want you to stuff your face with carbs every day. I think there's just so much black and white, all or nothingness with the nutrition field. Part of it is I think getting clickbait and, you know, maybe some people genuinely believe this stuff, but I think so much of it is like clickbait, like let's be really revolutionary and, you know, to each their own. But as a dietitian, I just can't sit here And imagine telling any woman in the world that we live in who also is a foodie to never eat carbs again, especially knowing, and this is really cool, guys. What if I told you, even like very low carb versus high carb diets, they show no difference in fat loss despite insulin being higher on a high carb diet because you have more carbs you need to get into your cells. So that just reinforces that insulin does not inherently cause fat gain. Another great fact that I can share with you is some insulin drugs promote weight loss in people by increasing the amount of insulin by taking these insulin drugs. So that just kind of goes against this whole idea that insulin causes weight gain and you should never eat carbs because you can increase your insulin and actually lose weight with the proof of these drugs. Another thing to consider too is carbs are actually really important as part of the muscle gain process and insulin helps us build muscle, aka it's good for our metabolism. And what's really cool about this is when we're trying to build muscle, post-workout, that post-workout window. Yes, we talk about protein, but also pairing that with carbs can help unlock that key to get all of these nutrients in our muscles more effectively. So carbs are not bad. And also just think about it, like bodybuilders, sometimes you like 200, 300 grams of carbs. So definitely doesn't mean that it's inherently just fattening for you, right? Like what makes it really interesting is more about your metabolic health and where your body composition is at and what your habits are. Um, and so I'm just such a believer. It's, it's not so much that insulin causes fat gain and you should never eat carbs again, but it's the types of carbs and how much you have of them and what your total diet looks like. Like I just wish social media and I just wish everyone would approach these topics with obviously an interpretation of the science and heck, you know, if something came out that said, you know, how horrible insulin was and there's a lot of proof and data behind it. Yeah. I'd probably change my mind, but just, I think there's sometimes not a critical eye and we look so much at like individual research or what someone saw by doing something on their own and just less of an understanding of the big picture and kind of taking a step back for a moment. And I think what really lacks in the nutrition space, especially on social media, the the whole nutrition landscape of social media is when you are interpreting something, 
especially in the nutrition field, you must understand correlation is cannot always be causation because our diet is very complex when we are studying it. And you change one thing about a macro, well, guess what? The rest of the macros change. So is it the protein that increased or is it the fact that it's lower carb or higher carb or lower fat, higher fat? Anyway, I could talk about this for days, but it's the types of carbs and how much you have of them in the context of your overall dietary pattern and your exercise habits. It is never just one thing, right? Our bodies are a system. We have to understand that. Anyway, the star of the show of today's podcast episode is the next topic I want to talk about, which is managing your blood sugar, because I'm talking about blood sugar truths and why it matters, why I, hell yes, hell yes, ladies want you to manage your blood sugar. But if you don't know how to, ladies, like none of the show matters. So rapid fire, I just want to give you guys like literally the top five and I could go make this list longer, right? These are like the big boulders of blood sugar management that I think a lot of people get right, but there are some people that I feel like just miss these marks on social media. They're like, buy the glucose monitor, cut out carbs. I'm like, no, like this is the list that you actually want to do. So anyway, I don't want to waste any time. Let's get into it. So the thing I want you to do, the first thing is I want you to have consistent mealtimes. Now related to actually a blood sugar truth and lie that I should have added to the list now that I'm thinking back. It is a myth that you have to eat at consistent times to manage your appetite and manage your blood sugar. We see this with intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting in the population of someone who struggles with diabetes, there is research that it can actually help you manage your blood sugar better, which is another great example of the fact that it isn't just meal timings. It is all of these other factors. However, what I can confidently say as I sit here is the clients I work with to manage their blood sugar best, consistent meal times helps you not eat chaotically. Because guess what? When you have one day where you're not eating for hours and you're skipping meals, you have three meals one day, one meal the next day, two massive meals and one of them is out to eat. And then you have other days where it's like six small meals. It's like your diet is so chaotic. Having consistent meal times is going to help you get consistent fuelings with hopefully, I am assuming, right? Consistent fuelings with consistent amounts of carbs, proteins, and fats, those macros that are important in the proper quantities consistently. And especially when it comes to blood sugar management, getting protein consistently is huge. So I can't stress this enough. Having consistent meal times and building that consistency is huge as part of your blood sugar management journey. And I already alluded to it. The second thing I love clients to focus on when they need to improve how they manage their blood sugar and potentially reduce their blood sugar over time is focusing on protein, fiber, and fat. We focus so much on carbs. I am going to talk about carbs in a second, but what is actually the cornerstone of blood sugar management is ensuring that when you are eating, you are getting nutrients that are going to keep you full for longer protein. It's going to keep you full for longer. I talk about that at length on this podcast. Fat is also going to keep you full for longer. We want to make sure we're not having too much, of course, right? Because it's more calorie dense, especially in a fat loss plan. But fat is not bad, especially the anti-inflammatory fats. Think of things like olive oil, avocados, nuts, really good for us. Salmon. I have salmon in my fridge. Gosh, guys, I have so much I bought from Costco, by the way. I got to freeze it. Reminder for myself. Along with protein and fat, also fiber. So protein, fiber, fat, always remember that, guys. Fiber comes through the types of carbs you eat, which is actually the third one, which was I was going to mention the quality of your carb choices. But you want to make sure you're having these three things, really think about them. And anyway, let's talk about number three. 
so we talked about consistent meal times. We talked about protein, fiber, and fat, like getting full for longer at your meals, um, which is really important for blood sugar because it actually will impede your blood sugar spike. The third thing is the quality of your carb choices. And I actually wanted to make that a separate thing because carbs are not created equal. Calories are a calorie, but I always say calories are not created equal because how we get our calories impacts our blood sugar, impacts our hormones, impacts how full we get, impacts our body composition, which therefore impacts our health and our blood sugar. Like it's a whole ecosystem. So when I think about high quality carb choices, I think about carbs that are less refined and processed, right? Think about bread. We have a whole spectrum of processing. We can have that like Ezekiel bread that I love, not just because it's like super clean and high fiber, but like it's less processed. It's this grain in its most natural form or close to its most natural form, right? That's a, an aggressive statement because it is still processed food. But you're getting your, the grain in the more natural form is less processed. It has the whole grain is intact, hence why it has the fiber and also other vitamins and minerals because of it. Versus when you think of the most processed white bread you could ever think of, it is refined. That shell of that grain is missing, hence why it packs less fiber. And it's going to be fortified with nutrients, which isn't bad, but I would love them to occur naturally too, right? So quality of your carb choices is key. It's going to impact the fiber component. It's also going to impact the quality of your diet because of the nutrients you get in it occurring naturally. And it's going to impact your blood sugar. The fourth thing is consistent exercise. One of the cornerstones to improving your blood sugar management. It's not doing like a crazy hit workout, but it's just even getting active, being more active in your day because a sedentary lifestyle increases your risk for poor blood sugar management, especially paired with diet. And the fifth thing that you probably aren't expecting me to say, but it's really, really important ladies is sleep. Consistent sleep impacts our blood sugar, impacts our carb cravings. It also impacts how we break down food. So it is tremendously important to get consistent and good sleep. And I'm sorry to all the moms out there. When you are having a little, little baby girl or boy and during your pregnancy, not maybe not getting good sleep and then pregnancy and postpartum, you're trying to lose this weight. You're trying to do the best you can and your sleep is chaotic. This podcast, little section of the podcast is not for you. You are doing the best you can. But when you reach the point where you can try to improve your sleep, we want to prioritize sleep above so much. Truly, ladies. Sleep independently can cause blood sugar disruptions regardless of what you eat and how you exercise. So prioritizing sleep and sleep hygiene, going to bed at consistent times, trying to set up your environment in a cold place to be able to get that AC running and get have you get good sleep. I mean, I'm not a sleep expert, but I will say I'm a sleep expert of my own life. It's the thing that probably no one knows about me unless like you're a close friend of mine, but I am so anal about when I go to sleep. I go to bed the same time every night. It's like this running joke with my husband, like with our friends, like when we're talking about like random quirks, Josh is always like, Lauren, like literally he who like pull our friends, like what time do we go to bed? What time do you think? Josh is always like, it's 10 on the dot. We get in bed by 10 PM. And I'm like so consistent about it. And I truly think it's helped me manage my weight during difficult times. And it's also helped me manage my blood sugar. I mean, think about a late night. When you've gotten like really chaotic sleep, I think back to my Orange Theory fitness shifts during my master's degree, I was getting up at like 4 a.m. for the shifts. And that was really early for me at the time. And sometimes like even 3.30, maybe. I don't know if I'm lying. I think I think that was right. Like 3.30, 4 a.m. Because I mean, what? Because what we opened at like 5 a.m. So yeah, I'm not lying. That's right. Anyway, we wake up so early for these shifts. And all I remember is I was so ravenous. And you guys have probably experienced it, whether it's opening for shifts or for a job that you had in the past or currently or um, maybe just crazy hours. I know my husband with his overnight shifts um, as a resident and now fellow, like his his eating can be really chaotic. And I've seen that firsthand um, when you're you know putting your body through that so consistently. 
but that relates to consistent meal times, but that also relates to the fact that you're sleep deprived. But anyway, these are the keys and cornerstones to managing your blood sugar, getting on a consistent meal schedule, having protein, fiber, and fat emphasis every time you eat, really honing in on the quality of your carb choices and not just going for the processed, more refined versions. Exercise, absolutely cornerstone of something to improve upon. And I must give a little shout out to strength training in particular. We see that as wildly beneficial for blood sugar management and also our health and our bone mass and our muscle mass. And most importantly, sleep. Sleep is incredibly important. And there's one other thing I want to add in. The only other thing I'd add to this list is improving your body composition because losing weight can inherently improve your blood sugar. But when you lose body fat and you build muscle, you become a machine for blood sugar management. That could be a whole new episode. Let me know if you guys want it. Anyway, ladies, I hope you guys enjoyed today's more sciencey episode on blood sugar. If you have any questions, be sure to message me. You can always leave a rating and review if you haven't, and I would super, super appreciate it. And I will see you guys next week. 